Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 36, District 9 Movie Review. Hey, Chris McBride here, along with Yancey Eaton. This is Pop Goes Your World. Yancey, I got to tell you something if I could just jump in before yeah, we go ahead. start. I, okay, so, you know, I'm not a huge, you're more the music guy than me, right? I mean, that right. music's more your thing than me. But uh, about a year ago, no, I mean, not quite a year ago, maybe it was like back in September. Anyway, about eight months ago, something like that. Uh, my wife says to me, if you could go to see any concert, who would you like to go to see? And I was like, well, that's a pretty good question. I said, I would like to go see Rick Emmett in concert because I, I went to see, remember we did an episode uh, of the podcast where we were talking about our first concert we ever been to and I said it was Triumph. So I'd like to go back and see Rick Emmett in concert. I'd like <laughs> to see ZZ Top and I want to see the Bare Naked Ladies. Those are the three bands that I want to see. So anyway, so my wife jumped right on it and for my birthday uh, last year, she took me to go see Rick Emmett and it was a great concert. We talked about that. Uh, ZZ Top is coming up uh, in about two months. I'm going to see them, and I got tickets to go see the Bare Naked Ladies. They're coming to Aurelia, which is about a half an hour outside of Barrie, where I live, and mm-hmm. it's it's the Aurelia Folk Festival, and they're going to be playing it. They're the headliners that are playing at it. So uh, this is kind of a big deal for me. I'm going to see in in less than a year. I'll have seen the three bands that I wanted to see more than anything. So so I mean, really, why keep living at this point if you've just knocked off all the bucket list items? I well, mean- once once August rolls around, <laughs> exactly, I go to the Folk Festival and see the Bare Naked Ladies. I can just. Just ship it in. You're done. I'll just continue driving and I'll just drive right (laughs) into the lake. And then we'll just call it a day. So there you go. The fish that saved Pittsburgh. My parents watched this with me and they hated it. Like a lot of movies that I've already mentioned on this show. Break into Electric Boogaloo. Man, Eddie Murphy did some of the best impressions I've ever heard. Shabadoo and Boogaloo Shrimp. Chris. I've rewatched it as an adult. I still like it. This brassiere is killing me and this guarder belt is riding up my ass. Oh my, my, my. What could possibly go wrong? My parents pieced out like halfway through it. I'm good, thanks. Yep, we're good. Okay, so this week we are doing something a little bit different and we you know stemming off of last week what we did was we decided to uh, to challenge each other to watch movies from our generations the movies that mean a lot to us or help define our generation in some way and of course last week I threw Blazing Saddles at you and we, we debated that movie and at the end of the, the show I said okay your turn you throw a movie at me that we'll watch and, and you want to remind everybody the movie that you chose Right, so the the movie I chose was uh, a 2009 science fiction film called District Nine, and it's uh it basically takes place in like an alternate 1982 where an alien ship stops over South Africa, and as opposed to these aliens being, uh you know like hostile like taking over or super super intelligent creatures who are here you know with like social superiority, they're basically refugees and they they. They, they, they take dominion over a large swath of South Africa for, you know, decades, basically. And uh, there's like a whole bunch of interesting themes that go back and forth with that. But I chose this film not intentionally being completely as on the opposite spectrum of Blazing Saddles as I possibly could. <laughs> but but uh, this is one of those films for me that's always kind of been um, – anytime I mention it to people, there's always like a really small number of people who've heard of it and even smaller of people who, who genuinely love this film. And this is probably one of my top five or six favorite films of all time. So um, I was really excited to hear that you hadn't heard it yet. 
or hadn't watched it yet rather and you know just kind of like break it down and stuff I'm, I'm actually dying to see what you think about this because I, I think it's just one of the most original well done movies of all time and that kind of leads into my, like the question I was going to ask you and you answered it a bit but we can expand on it a little bit because um, uh, you know so I basically throw it back to you and I say okay you name any movie at all any any you know millennial film that you want to name and then uh, we'll we'll come back next week and we'll talk about it and you chose District 9 of all movies so I mm-hmm. mean like you could have picked anything like you know almost any movie and i'm just wondering why you mentioned a bit of why you like it but why why district nine over anything else over over a comedy or over any other adventure films or any other of these big blockbuster movies you know mm-hmm. these like why district nine i think it's because uh i, I have like a, a really small list of questions i don't know if you do this chris maybe i'm just crazy but um i like to ask people really esoteric questions whenever i meet them for the first time and i'm just trying to get like a feel for you know if, if they're on the same plane as far as weirdness goes with me and you know this was a this was a a, a semi big film i think it grossed like 200 something million in the box office globally but it's 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 kind of a niche film and um i i think it's one of those where it didn't get nearly the play that it should have whenever it first came out and it's not really you know like a, a present film and, and you know the pulp culture psyche it's incredibly well done it's my favorite genre which is sci-fi and it's just so weird enough and it's so obscure enough that um i don't know it's one of those things where if people connect with it and they know about this film uh off the you know from the get-go i don't know it just it kind of connects me to them as weird as that sounds and this has always just been like one of those those temperature gauges that i've used to kind of see you know what, what what type of person that person is so well you will be glad to know one thing i actually really enjoyed this movie a lot oh thank god we could still be friends yes i actually i thought it was really 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 good but the one thing is i will say just off the top i thought it was really good but you know what the one and i don't know if this is a millennial thing versus a gen x thing but i think and correct me if i'm wrong or maybe i'm totally crazy on this you know you mentioned maybe you're crazy maybe i'm crazy too Mm -hmm. for me it seems that a lot of Gen X films, a lot of the favorites and a lot more that I'm going to be throwing at you over the next couple of uh, weeks are they have a huge rewatchability factor. Okay, so you can watch them over and over and over and over. I've probably seen Blazing Saddles 50 times and I'm not kidding. Like I've seen it so many times, you know, over and over and over again. And a lot of the other movies that uh, that we'll talk about in coming weeks. I've seen over and over and over again. The the thing that stuck with me with District 9 and it still resonates with me. And I, by the way, I just watched it last night for the first time mm-hmm. so so right before so it's very refreshed my mind but one of the first things that I one of my first takeaways from it after watching it was was I don't think I would watch it again mm-hmm. and, and and I don't know you've seen it more than once I'm assuming I, yeah I've probably seen it 15 or 20 times wow. since 2009 wow, okay. wow, yeah. wow that's incredible because to me it just it didn't have that rewatchability factor but that being said I thought it was really 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 good so that being said I guess like do, do you want to just kind of lead the conversation do you want to like ask me questions about it like how do you how do you want to approach this is your movie this is your uh, you know this is your wheelhouse so so we could just go back and forth on it a little bit. So I think one of the reasons why I like it, like I mentioned, sci-fi is my favorite genre, but it's not just a science fiction film. A lot of, you know, say I'm watching Alien, there's no larger social, um, you know, ramifications to that film. It's basically just a science fiction film about an alien. You know, it's not trying to say something bigger than, you know, people are trapped on a spaceship with an alien that's trying to kill them. You see what I'm saying? There's, there's, there's no grand scale. There's nothing that we can apply to our day-to-day lives now. Um, but with this movie, like it's an it's a direct uh, 
it's it's addressing all kinds of narratives. I, I don't know if you did any research on this, looked on Wikipedia or IMBD or anything, but um, so the film is based in South Africa, right, in Johannesburg. And it was m- much of the film was filmed in South Africa itself in actual slums where, you know, people, dirt poor people are living in shacks and stuff. So a lot of those, you know, vast, huge scenes that you've seen of like barrios, like actual slums, you know, that that is real people's lives. And uh, so it, it, it it's it's touching on a country that for decades was rules was ruled by the apartheid. So there was tons of racial segregation. Um, you know, we we you've I'm sure read about you know Nelson Mandela and everything that went on there with with the apartheid and stuff. But it's a it, it's basically a, a mirror image of how we treat these aliens when they come here as refugees. Uh, versus how real people would treat other people you know even in africa today like there are there's so many different countries that are in constant war either civil war or or border wars and it's just because you know they could look exactly alike but they're from two uh, dueling countries or you know you're not a true nigerian or a true south african there's there's a lot of that stuff going on and even though this film was made in 2009 like if you think about it now like what we have going on with the syrian refugee crisis i think it's like incredibly pertinent that we kind of like talk about stuff like this and throughout the course of the film he basically you know addresses this where he he sees these these creatures are called prawns which is basically like a a south african word for a cricket because they you know they're bug like they look like insects and the the general assumption is that they're stupid and that you know they're not very intelligent which of course that isn't the case at all so it's it's kind of playing on on these on these social paradigms a lot and like i said it's not just this alien film so I guess my question for you is, I was just a long way of just talking without actually asking a question, but so when you were watching the film, are you picking up on that at all? Do you see how this is drawing parallels to what kind of we have going on today as far as, uh, like I said, the, the, the refugee crisis or racism or identity crises and you know things like that? Was that something that was prevalent to you or did you just see it as like an alien movie? Oh, no, absolutely. I did. The, one of the first things that I thought of was that, you know what? A lot of thought went into this movie. This is not just a science fiction film. It's a political film. It's very clear right from the get-go for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. The one that, thing that struck out to, that stuck out to me was that okay first of all it's it, this this alien craft comes down and hovers over top of the city not over new york not over washington not over paris um no it's over johannesburg south africa so well mm-hmm. i'm thinking well why is that and then there's the obvious parallels to it, by the way the, the the ship originally comes down it's 1982 when it first came down there and mm-hmm. you're, so automatically the parallels to the apartheid era are, are, are there it's very very uh, relevant um, mm-hmm. but the thing is like you said the, the interesting thing is this this film came out in 2009 and but it resonates more in 2017 than it did even then when it was released and for all the reasons you said because of the because of what's going on in Syria and things I thought some of the, the things that happened especially in the third act which I'll come back to in a minute the third act of the film was was very um, the way it was shot was was almost confusing like like like, like some of the the, the almost the video game moments, I'll call it, and I'll come back to that in a second. But in some of the sort of video game moments of the third act of the film, it's so confusing. The thing that struck out to me was like in Syria right now, it's not, it's not a black and white situation. And I, I mean that, I guess, you know, figuratively, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not very easy. Those are good guys. Those are bad guys. There's these guys and these guys and those guys don't like these guys and they don't like them. And it's very confusing. And in some of the, the scenes in the third act where there's all the shooting going on and stuff, it's like, you don't even know who you're shooting at. Who's good? Who's bad? Like it, it, it was, re- and I think it was shot like that on purpose. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, like I say, I think it w- it's a very political film. Um, and like I say, I think it resonates more today than it did then. Some of the interesting things 
of my takeaways on those themes were um, right near the very, very beginning of the film because it's shot in a documentary style. Right, obviously, and right. they're doing like, like this, a lost. It's almost like a lost footage type. Yeah, thing. it's, it's like, kind of yeah. kind of like like a, like a found footage film, except it's done in mm-hmm. like a, a documentary that was shot. Right, and they're they're interviewing people, and they're interviewing the one uh, the one girl, and she's a black girl, and she's saying, you know, oh, why are we spending our money on these? these prawns and, and like this doesn't make any sense we should be spending our money on ourselves and not them and i'm thinking wow i mean i'm hearing people on the news saying that you know yesterday you know th- th- those very same things and i thought it was very interesting that the fact that because they're aliens it's like here's an opportunity finally for somebody that we can all hate together right. you know what i mean yeah. like like it's still all about hatred and racism but it's like now we have one you know particular sort of alien you know quote unquote alien uh race that we can all equally agree that we all hate them you know right. so yeah i think it was extremely extremely political there's a lot of thought that went into this movie and there's a lot going on in this movie but i think one thing that was interesting too that you were talking about how you know we can all hate this one particular group i don't think it's as clear-cut as that because you know if during this entire thing, for those of you that haven't seen the film, these these aliens are basically in a, I guess you could call it like a concentration camp, right? They're in like a, a refugee camp, but it is absolutely, you know, abhorrent conditions. It's disgusting. Um, they're not taken care of very well. Um, and they're basically there for 30 years. And then it gets to a point where the, the people of South Africa want them to move. They want them just like in the 60s, whenever, you know, you had District 6. It was like this actual inner city residential area where it was only for white people in 1966. Right. So they, it was it was complete racial segregation. Um, so they basically get tired of these people, these aliens, these prawns living here. So they they decide that they're going to go door to door and literally evict them. They're going to serve them eviction papers and force them to move. Um, what's really interesting about that, though, like you said, like it's a universal hate, but it actually wasn't like there's there's all these like little inklings of there's a there's a second side to this where um, they were talking about how it's illegal to shoot them, um, how you have to give them 24 hours notice for an eviction. You there's there's certain, um, you know, basically like uh, a standard operating procedure when it comes to dealing with these people. And they are treated as refugees as opposed to just aliens or invaders or you know intruders and stuff so that tells me that there's like this there's this this conflicting side that actually does see these things as something more than just a monster you know what i mean why would we go through all of this and and build you know a concentration camp for them and put these rules in place to make sure that they're treated humanely um if there was just a general consensus that everybody hates them you know what i mean and that's kind of like what we're seeing today where you have certain countries who are a lot more uh you know, open to taking in countries, you know, um, Germany, you know, back in the 40s, everybody knows Germany was a, a a monster that took over the world and, you know, killed a lot of people. And they've almost like course corrected and did a complete 180 where now they will take in anybody, they put them to work, they house them, they do all of these things. And other traditional powers, uh, you know, aren't as open to taking in, you know, sick and, 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 and refugees and stuff like that. Um, one, one thing really interesting about this that I had read, Chris, there was a writer, um, and he his name was Chris Mikesell, and he was basically talking about how you can literally substitute black or Asian, Mexican, an illegal, a Jew, a transgender person. You could take any type of those you know, historically uh, disenfranchised groups or minority groups or anything like that and just replace it with the prawn in this film, and you can see that it's like a really obvious like hidden dialogue. I mean, it's hidden in plain sight, but... Um, I mean, it's it's right there in your face. I mean, 
I agree with you. Sorry, I agree with you 100%. I would suggest anybody out there that ha- that has seen this movie, and hopefully you have if you're listening to this podcast, because massive mm-hmm. spoilers, obviously. But if you've seen the movie, go back and watch <laughs> it again and substitute the word prawn with the word refugee. Yep. Exactly yep. what you're saying. I agree yep, 100%. 100% with that. That's true. It's, like I say, it's very, very uh, political. Just another thing I mentioned about the aliens that you touch base on there. You know, aliens used to be portrayed in the movies as the bad guys. That was always mm-hmm. the way. You look at War of the Worlds, The Day the Earth Stood Still, movies like that. Like, And then it was Spielberg, really, that came along. He kind of flirted with the idea that, you know, like, what if aliens were friendly? Like when he made Close mm-hmm. Encounters and then E.T., right? Or Super 8. Yeah, Super or, 8 was awesome, too, yeah. But in this movie... The idea is that aliens are not only harmless, but they're also mistreated by humans. They, mm-hmm. make, they basically make the humans the bad guys. And I yeah. guess we did see some of that in E.T., like with Peter Coyote and the cops chasing E.T., you know, and capturing them and that kind of stuff. But it was just – there's there's a lot going on thematically in this movie. I'd like to touch base for a second and ask you your thoughts on – because, I mean, any – film needs a strong uh, protagonist. And the protagonist in this movie I thought was very a very interesting choice. And it was uh, mm-hmm. the actor uh, is Charlotte Copley who plays it. And, and he was not an actor coming into this movie. He was a producer and got hooked up with the director somehow. And then, hey, I'm going to be in the movie. Because I think he was in the short film that, uh, that the director had made previously was Alive in yep. Joburg. So, oh, yep. so he's like, okay, so he's in this. And, and I thought he was an interesting character because it's like Wickes van der Murray is his name, right? And mm-hmm. and the thing is, right from the get-go, you know, he's basically thrust into this situation to be the guy that's in charge of going in and rounding up all these these prawns and moving them off to the concentration, the new concentration camp outside of town. So we don't have to look mm-hmm. at them anymore and, you know, we can put them out there kind of thing. So they put him in charge, but he's like, he's like an anti, I don't even say anti-hero. Like, like he's not who you would expect. And you, like everything, it goes right down to his, you know, his clothing, because, I mean, he wears, like, that sweater over the short-sleeve shirt. You know, like, his wife is way too good-looking for him. You know what I mean? He's he's almost emasculated the way that his mannerisms are, the way he talks. Mm. He's, like, kind of – he's, like, a goof. He's, like, not somebody who you would think would be in charge of doing this. I know he got the gig only because of, you know, his, his father-in-law, of course, you know. <laughs> right. But but it was it – was, so I thought he was a very, um, very interesting kind of – character to play and then obviously the 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 story arc that his character takes is you know obviously you know transformative you know literally right but mm-hmm. um but so what do you, what are your thoughts on on him as the lead character and and, and what do you, what was your take on that I thought it was interesting like you said this isn't like the if you were casting like a major motion picture you know an alien sci-fi film <clears throat> excuse me I don't think that he would be the type of you know you know archetype that you would be looking for with this but it does work because you know, he comes into this, and I think he does a really good job of of being somebody who who he comes into it with no moral, uh, you know, hesitancy whatsoever. And he, you know, he's he's civil to these people to an extent, but he's also very degrading in how he talks to them, right? And you know, yeah, he's as basically the, a jerk. He's basically a jerk at the beginning. He's of the a jerk. Yeah, yeah, he's a jerk, and he's he's incredibly tone deaf. And it's one of those things like they were trying to set it up to this entire movie is about duality. Every single thing has like multiple sides to it with his character. Like they were interviewing, you know, uh, it, it would show film of, of people being interviewed that had worked with him, you know, colleagues in the past, family members and stuff like that. And you would hear one person say like, you know, he was always super normal and by the book and straight. And, like, I would never expect this of him. And then you would see somebody else who would say, you know, I always knew that he was off and you know, there was just something weird about him that he would do something like this. So like, it's always something like there, there are two sides to everything. Just like we mentioned with, um, with like the prawns, right? 
So they would show them um, doing all these disgusting things and eating cat food and, you know, ripping cows apart and showing the slums that they live in. Um, and, you know, it was very propagandish. You'd only see the bad things about them. But, of course, as the film progresses, you would see that there's actually a lot of really positive attributes about them that, we, you know, if you never actually get inside there and see it, you won't. Um, what I loved about his character, though, is how they did shift it. And like you mentioned, him actually being transformative as a spoiler. Yes, we we're talking about the entire movie, but he actually starts changing into these animals by, you know, he has this liquid that's sprayed into his eyes and it basically starts changing. He becomes like a chimera. He's at one point he's half prawn and he's half human. But, you um, know, and sorry, I'm just going to jump in on that because, you know, the thing, interesting thing I thought was the more he became an alien, the more human he became. Yes. Because he became more sympathetic. He became more humane. You know, it was interesting that it took that transformation of him turning into the alien. And the more that, that he turned into the alien, like I say, the, the more of a human he, he kind That's, of turned into. Chris, that is literally the exact point that I was going yeah. to make. That it, it took it, it took an, an actual physical embodiment of him actually becoming one of them to be able to fully empathize with them which is kind of sad because you know if that's if that's how we as people are going to be like if i could never understand like the plight of african americans being a white male like we're doomed you know what i mean i'll never be able to fully empathize with them that's really sad but like you know to be open to the fact that other people who look different or come from a different background are going to have it more different without actually having to be you know inside and like living their life that that form of like heightened empathy i think is super super important and it was basically showing that too like you know he's this guy is in the slums he's he's walking amongst them he sees exactly how they live there's all these different things going on with them and he's still completely impervious to any type of of understanding or or, or trying to get to know them or seeing anything until like i said he he literally is, is forced to physically transform into them and even still it takes towards almost the very end of the movie there are scenes where um, you know, they're, they're trying to uh, uh, retrieve this one device that's basically act as like a like a jet fuel to get his little passenger ship back up to the mothership that's still floating in the sky 30 years later. Right. And there's all these opportunities where these mercenaries, these government mercenaries are trying to to kill him and stop him and the other alien that, you know, they're in cahoots with. And so you would think that there's like this connection, they have this bond, but even towards the very end, whenever he has a chance to help this alien, he's saying, I don't care about the prawn, take the prawn, I'm going to run. And it takes the very last act for him to finally realize that this this alien, this prawn, like you said, is almost like a, a more perfect personification of human morals than he is you know what i mean um it's just it's so weird like i said everything in this has a duality there's two different parts to it it's what you want to think about a prawn versus how they really are it's what you think about what this main character is and what he eventually has to become both physically and you know morally speaking there's just so much to it and like i said the fact that it's just a perfect mirror image of the apartheid and this you know refugee crises going all over the place that we have going on now it's just to me it's just a perfect film we haven't even touched on the fact that for this film being made in 2009 which i know wasn't that long ago um it is incredible looking i mean some of the special effects uh super super inventive we didn't even mention the fact that this was produced by peter jackson so i mean there was everything from top to bottom from the casting to the special effects um it's just incredibly well done i don't know if any particular things stood out to you but just their weaponry the the cruel way that they actually um <laughs> shoot humans and what happens to those humans they basically liquefy yeah they just, yeah they, the they, just, they just explode like totally explode yeah um, i don't know if you'd, i don't know if you'd ever seen um uh the expendables you ever watch those with no. like sylvester stallone no. um those movies are, are super corny, I admit, but I've I've watched all three of them in theaters with my dad and my brother, and 
the special effects on those were just out of this world, not what you were expecting. And that's what I kind of got with this film too, where you would think that it would be like this really small budget, kind of poor CGI, not not particularly great. But even like I said, you know, back in 2009, it still holds up as like a really, really beautiful, well done film. Well, you mentioned duality of, of the film, which I thought was an interesting take on it because it, that even holds true for the fact that it's 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 a documentary style film with these incredible special effects. I am a Gen Xer. I do not. For the most part, you know how I feel about CGI. I'm not a big mm-hmm. fan of it. I think it all looks like crap. Um, but I think because it was done with the grainy film footage and stuff, it, it worked. Um, but you're right. It was definitely um, done very well because all of the aliens in it are, are CGI'd. All the prawns are, are CGI'd. And, and they actually, it, it comes across pretty well. Um, just to go back a second so you, to answer your question, um, some parts of it that really stood out to me, the third act, as you mentioned, the third act. To me, it, that's where the film came apart a little bit for me because I thought it was a little bit odd. Um, the, the the first, you know, two-thirds of the movie are very political, like we said, you know, everything's going on that way. Um, and in the third act, it kind of uh, it kind of reverted to, like, standard Hollywood shoot 'em up stuff to me. And, and, and mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because... Now, the, this director, um, the, the guy who directed the, the movie, Neil Bloomkamp, was originally pegged to make a movie version of Halo, the video game, and that fell right. through, right? That didn't, that didn't happen. So, to me... That kind of came out in the third act of this movie. It's like he got his chance to do it there. But that being said, especially compared to the fact that last week we did Blazing Saddles. And mm-hmm. remember last week I was talking about how Blazing Saddles to me looked like it was shot, like it was like it was live theater. Like the sh- like all the scenes are like two yes. cameras. Like it's like <laughs> yes. one scene, you know, Lily Von Stupp gets up and walks over. The camera moves with her. There's no like edits or whatever. That being said, you could not have gone to a crazier you know, example of the complete opposite than this, I would have hated to have worked on the editing of this film because the editing was incredibly complex. Like yeah. every single scene, the editing was off the charts. I mean, it was nominated for uh, for an Academy Award for, for the editing. It was nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Picture, but it was uh, nominated for Best Editing and, you know, deservedly so. It didn't win. But uh, just what a... What a, you talk about duality again? Like talk about what a difference between Blazing Saddles, the epic, yep. <laughs> and, and this movie. Like like it's a total total one off. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting was at the very beginning of the movie, I was like when when the they went out and hired uh, this MNU, right, the multinational United, to come in and round them all up and and take them all out and get rid of mm-hmm. them, get them out of our cities. Right, was the whole idea. And I, and, and the th- the only thing that was going through my mind was was you know and I and maybe it's because MNU has three letters and ICE has three letters. But it was like watching on the news this immigration and custom enforcement that you're seeing on the news on a regular basis doing this very same thing. So like yep. again, the, the things that resonate in, in 2017 are pretty incredible. I thought uh, another thing that I thought was interesting um, was some of the scenes reminded me because I know that you love this TV show Cops. It, yeah. There were, there were scenes in it that was like this is like watching an episode of Cops. Like there was one scene where they went in, they were rounding them all up, and and the one I, I'm assuming it was a girl was and she was wearing a bra, and she come out and and, and yes, she's she got a bra, bra, a pink yeah. bra, and she's running around. I'm like this is like an episode of Cops because she was urinating outside. That's what it was. She was urinating and she's wearing the bra. I'm like this is like a freaking episode of Cops here. It was just so yep. I mean so there's there's satire in it as well. Um, but but again, very 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 political. So so those are some of the things that stood out uh, for me, you know, in the movie. 
So let me ask you this. Okay, yes. let's get let's get real basic with it. Sure. So let's let's use the Rotten Tomato scale. Let's use you know like an IMBD rating. Oh, okay. Like if you had to give it a one to a ten uh, from from a science fiction genre standpoint. Like you know if this isn't your go to type of film, obviously you wouldn't rate us as highly. But just as a standalone science fiction film, ten being the highest, what what would you give it for a rating? Uh, you're probably gonna not like me very much, but I would probably go no higher than a seven and probably a six. So what, like a six point five? We split yeah, the difference. I'll, I'll I'll split the difference. I'll <laughs> I'll go six and a half. What What do you think it lacks to to put it up in that pantheon of you know like a seven or an eight? Rewatchability for me is really really big. Like I say, I, I wasn't a big fan of the third act. So th- those those are two things that were knocks against it for me. Um, I thought I thought it, no, I don't want to say that he was a weak actor uh, playing the lead role, but but I I you know. Essentially, when it comes down to it, he really was. But, um, but I thought he, did, I thought he did, I thought he did a lot better in the, in the second act when he, when he started to transform and stuff. Then I thought, I oh, he was actually doing a doing a pretty good job there. Um, overall, as political satire and stuff, I think it it rates maybe it rates high on in regard to that. But mm-hmm. as an overall film, I know people are. I'm going to get tweets i'm gonna get emails but i mean i just i didn't love it this isn't nearly as popular of a film as you think so i don't i don't think you're gonna get nearly the tweets that you think so but Uh, what are you saying you'd be surprised people put me down for everything i see on here but it's all good um but i I know i'm coming from a different place because i mean like you know i'm coming from stuff like you know close encounters and et those are kind of movies that i kind of pull from in terms of you know aliens and that and that sort Mm -hmm. of thing and to watch this like i say i did enjoy it i did enjoy it but i but I, i probably wouldn't watch it again so for that reason it doesn't rank quite as high, but but I did think it was good. I, I did like it. I appreciate that. I, I I mean, it doesn't hurt my feelings if you don't just being honest. Completely yeah. love it, yeah. But one thing I will say about this, um, and I'm sure you can agree with it too, from an originally st- originality standpoint, like we always talk about, basically everything is a remake of something else. Um, you know, there's a lot of elements from this that you can pull from other films and video games and uh, you know TV shows and stuff like that. It definitely has its its influences, um, but just from a from a, a an actual you know you know plot standpoint this is like a very very original film and it's a take on on the whole alien you know genre that we've never really seen before and that's that's one of the things that originally drew me to it and like you mentioned like the whole they want to do a halo video game movie and you know obviously I've, i've talked about my love for halo and um just the fact that it is so original and it, they do make something political out of a genre that typically you don't see a lot of social commentary on. I just for that alone, I think I give it a, a much higher bump. Than OK, that, I, I will give you that because I mean, I'm a, one of the biggest critics there is of millennial films that all they're doing is just remaking stuff and you know we we did an episode a couple a couple shows ago about you know remakes reboots and reimaginings and it's like hollywood has no original ideas they never do like i'm mm-hmm. the biggest you know it's like a mantra of mine but you're right this is very original i got i got to give you that this is a very original film it's a very original idea it has a lot to say like i said i think a lot of thought went into the movie um so there's a, it has a lot going for it the movie's very good it was nominated for best picture there's a reason for that the editing is incredible like i said the political commentary. There's a lot going on in this movie, and there's a lot going for this movie. Um, but again, I'm a Gen Xer, so you know I'm stuck in the past. I don't like anything new. Well, that's the biggest <laughs> thing. I don't know. Well, just me. So, uh, but you know what? Overall, I thought it was, I, I still think it's an interesting pick. I think it's cool. an interesting pick. Um, it was not what I would have expected you to pick. You know, to, to bring to uh, the pod for us to talk about. So that being said, um, for the next show. Here's what I'd like us to do. If, if you're if you're game uh, for the next show, then okay, we're going to go back to one of my picks. 
I'd like to go back because I think this is an interesting film that I think we need to spend some time talking about next show. And I really want to get a millennial's take on this movie because from a, from a, you know, just, just from, from a filmmaking point of view, from a special effects point of view, I would like next show between now and then, um, for, uh, for you to think about this and come back and be prepared to talk about the 1975 Steven Spielberg classic, Jaws. We're going to go for a big one. <laughs> let's do it. Okay. So next week, let's yeah. talk about Jaws because I have a lot invested in that film emotionally. Uh, as a kid, I first saw that movie when I was seven years old at the drive-in. My mom, maybe against her better judgment, I mean, God love you, mom, but she decided to take me to the drive-in. I convinced her, you got to take me to the drive-in to watch Jaws. And I did, and I was scared out of my pants. I've never been so scared in my entire life. As being seven <laughs> watching that movie, I was terrified. And it kind of stuck with me to this day. And I, and since then, I've just grown a huge appreciation for that film. I love, love, love that movie. And I am dying to hear what a millennial thinks about that movie. So you're ready to do that next week with us? Yeah, I'm right. down to you. Let's do Jaws. That's going to be good. All right. Well, until next week, um, this is Chris McBride for Yance Eaton saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 